you could have disagreements with employees, you could have disagreements with employers, but it always has to be with decency. And even if you do end up raising your voice, you know, sometimes people raise their voices, you know, just in the heat of the moment and, and you're looking to get a transaction done and, you know, people may lose their call, but there's always got to be an exit rant. There's always got to be a strategy to be able to be close with your teammates. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to Weiss Advice. I'm your host, Yona Weiss, and I have my boss here today as the guest, which means I'm actually in trouble because we're doing this during working hours. But so I, no, I'm actually immune to that trouble because he's with me today. Moshe Hildesheim, Director of Operations at Madison Specs, the number one cost segregation company in the country. How are you doing, my friend? Yona, I'm doing great. And thank you for having me on. Full disclosure, I've been asking Yona for months to be able to get onto the Weiss Advice podcast. It was not easy to secure a, uh, an invitation. And originally, we were, this was slated to go yesterday. Of course, I blew the invite. And Yona was kind enough to make it up for me during work hours. And we asked to be able to spend time with Yona and uh, to have this conversation. It's, uh, it's, always, it's always a pleasure to spend time with Yona. And thank you for having me on board. My pleasure. So, so just a full disclosure, because you just made a full disclosure. I'm making a full disclosure. Moshe is the real cost seg king. You know, I just put on the show, but he's the real cost seg king. I just stole his crown. So if we're going to get into a little cost segregation, you know, a little bit, but I'd love to learn more about Madison Specs. Now you, for the better part of the last decade, have been, you know, running basically the director of operations. So running everything that has to do with the company from operations to sales to, you know, kind of spearheading everything. So tell us a little bit about the background, how you found Madison Specs. You're a CPA, right? But how did you find Madison Specs and and how did that get? That's a great question. I haven't, I haven't reminisced about this in a while. I finished school. I finished my accounting degree in 2007. In 2007, my first day I went to work for a, uh, for a mid-sized accounting firm. They're not around anymore. They were bought out by KPMG called Rosting Cass. Great shop, great outfit. My first day on the job was October 15th, 2007. The significance of that is that, of course, October 15th is the uh, tax deadline for individual income tax returns. I started on October 15th and nobody wanted to look at me because everybody was busy pushing out work. And then October 16th is like the detox day in any accounting firm. There was really nothing to do until the end of the year. And once it came like February of 2008, that's when all the uh, information started coming in for individual income tax returns. And that's when I first got my taste of of tax prep work. And it was interesting work. It was high-level work. I was in a group called FOG, Family Office Group, and we serviced high net worth individuals. And it was a great run at Rosting Cass. Unfortunately, it did not last too long. If you remember, in September of 2008, that was the uh, Bear Stearns, yeah. Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers, yeah. the, uh, the market came crashing down. I have, uh, I have memories of walking into the office on a Sunday morning. I believe that's when, that's when I'm going to say Lehman Brothers came crashing down. It was over the weekend, and I had parked my car in Port Authority bus terminal, Midtown Manhattan, and I was walking up to 55th to my office. And you couldn't get through the street. It was throngs of media cars with microphones, with, with, with video cameras, and the whole market had just collapsed. And 
Rothstein Cast, their specialty was in was was in hedge funds, and there was a Wednesday in November. It was a massacre. They let uh, probably about 250 people go. It was a uh, lifeo, last in, first out, to use an, a, an yeah. accounting uh, an accounting terminology. And I found myself out of a job. I was out from I'm going to say mid November of 2008 until February of 2009. It wasn't an easy stretch. Uh, jobs were scarce to come by. But I found a job in Lower Manhattan, BCRS Associates. We were a uh, boutique tax practice. Again, high net worth individuals. And I was with them, I'm going to say probably about four or five years. I don't remember exactly how long. Very, very high level work. We serviced uh, some of the most successful hedge fund owners and, and bankers in the country. And then it was just, it was getting difficult. I was commuting in from Lakewood to New York City, became a challenging commute. Kids were starting to get older, and I was looking for a, a job, something more local. Somebody introduced me to a company called Madison Specs, a part of the uh, Madison family of businesses, Madison Title, Madison Exchange, Madison Lease Probe, and Madison Real Diligence, a small growing business in, in Lakewood, New Jersey. And I submitted my resume. And some of the work that I had done was we had a very high net worth clients. And one client in particular, I remember who the client was, they were looking to purchase a new airplane. Now, it wasn't like a, like a small plane. They, they flew a Gulfstream. She was a Goldman Sachs executive, and he is a oil and gas executive. And I remember at one point they were under audit, a state audit, and we asked them where they live, and they said, well, we live on our Gulfstream. That, that's where we live. The question was, what to do with the old plane? Should we sell it? Should we donate it? Or should we do a 1031 exchange? And I ran three scenarios for them as to what the liability would be. What would be the tax liability, tax savings? One thing that came into play was depreciation recapture. And I put that on my resume. I just, I wrote in particular, involved in depreciation recapture structuring. And the folks over at Madison Specs, Specialized Property Engineering Consulting Services, looked at my resume and they saw depreciation recapture. Wow, this guy must be a depreciation wizard expert. They called me in for an interview and I said to them, really, I don't know much about depreciation other than I did this projection for this client. But we met, we met again, we met again, and it took some time, and they gave me the job. And this, is, uh, this goes back about nine years ago, close to, close to nine years ago, and it's been a fantastic run. We've had a lot of fun. It was a small little company when I, when I first started, and thank God, and again, it's all in the hands of God. The company's grown, and we've had, we've had a good run the last nine years. We've, we've uh, you know, developed new practices, and we've reached in some new markets. And uh, working together with Yona and, and the rest of the team, it's really been a fun ride. And awesome. I'm grateful for that. So that's, that's how I got to Madison, all about depreciation recapture on an airplane. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Pretty cool story. So now Madison Specs, obviously we, we've talked about this a lot on, on other podcasts. You know, we do cost segregation. We're not going to get into the nitty gritty of the actual what cost segregation is. You can check that out somewhere else. But what's it like, you know, and you run a company, right? You're basically running operations What's been your biggest challenge, you know, in running that company and especially during the last, you know, few months with this crazy pandemic and the up- upheaval of the economy? So one thing I learned from Joe and Joe's the principal of Madison, Joe Rosenbaum, and Joe's a fantastic person. He's a visionary and Joe thinks out of the box. And I've learned a lot from Joe over the last nine years. One thing I learned from Joe is delegation of responsibility. And when I look back at the company and where the company was nine years ago, we were a small little outfit. We had two engineers on staff. We had, um, I'm going to say, four or five employees. We had one salesman who was working out of his house. 
And slowly but surely, again, using the old, uh, the old adage that Rome wasn't built in a day, it took time, it took effort, it took a lot of energy. At one point, I knew the flight attendants on the United flight from Newark to, from Newark to Tel Aviv. Um, I, was, I was doing so much traveling, uh, working to build up the team. We went slow and steady. That was the, uh, you know, that was, that was the game plan. So first, you know, first we built up the sales team, and then we needed more people on the operations side. Then we hired a manager on the sales team. Then we hired a manager on the operations team. Then we hired a manager on the engineering side. So, you know, slowly but surely, the whole company came into focus, came into play. And looking back at the last three months, we're blessed. We're always blessed. But COVID hit on March 15th, pretty much. I think, it, I think that's pretty much when, when the world came to a standstill. It was mid to end of March. And yeah. our busiest season has always been March, you know, January, February, March. So we're grateful that at least we're at a stopping point when COVID hit. And most of our work for tax season of, of 2020 had gone out. Unfortunately, the, the gut reaction was just there is so much uncertainty in the world. We put a lot of people on furlough. And slowly but surely, we're bringing everybody back one at a time. We also spent the last three months just revisiting the business from, from the ground up and looking for, looking for synergy, synergies, looking for efficiencies. What can we do better? What can we do quicker? What can we do easier? And you know, as, as the next couple of months move on and we try to roll out some of these new, new initiatives, many of them have been rolled out already, it's very exciting to see to see how we increase productivity, increase workflow, and really, again, as everything's client focused, really just get the best and, 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 and most suitable uh, product back to our client. Yeah, and I thought you were going to say your biggest challenge is dealing with me. I mean, that's... Uh... Yona, you're a pleasure. You're a pleasure. You know, some of my fondest... We had Yona by us for a weekend. Once or twice, Yona. How many times did you come by to us for a weekend? I think it was only once. Once. You owe us a second time. <laughs> but... Yeah. In all seriousness, I mean, you mentioned a couple, you know, some new kind of tactics, some, some new initiatives that are rolling out that have kind of helped in, in streamline the processes and things like that. Anything you want to share with us in particular that we've done? Uh, to One thing, you know, as, as we move through 2020 and today's, today's June, June 24th, and, you know, top of the news today is that they're, they're, requiring, uh, they're requiring any visitors from Florida that come to New York and New Jersey to quarantine for 14 days we're going to a contactless society. People don't want to be on site. People don't want to see people. We're developing technology, you know, be it through an app, be it through other methods, mm-hmm. where we're going to be able to visit an entire property and get any information that we need for a cost segregation study from the comfort of our own desk. Right. So we'll be able to utilize, take a skilled nursing facility, use the administrator, take a multifamily property. We'll be able to use the, um, the on-site manager in an office building, take somebody from maintenance, We'll be able to walk that entire property virtually. We're calling it the smart tour. And that's exactly what it is. It's a smart tour. It's a safer tour. And it's mm-hmm. also a cleaner tour. It's going to be contactless. You're not going to see any people. You know, as it relates to carbon outputs, there's not going to be any more, you know, we're, we're going to slow down on, on, on airplane travel and car travel. And it's going, to, it's going to create efficiencies as well because we're going to save all that time getting on site. We'll be able to turn around your project quicker, easier, right. and, and more efficient. Right. So as opposed to what, you know, what we've been doing until this point is having, you know, one of our engineers and we have a whole team of engineers at this point going and traveling, you know, and booking flights and scheduling. And, you know, you can only, we work in all 50 states, right? So, and just to give a little bit of an idea of what that means in terms of the operations and the, the volume and the sheer volume in 2019, how many studies did we put out? We did about 2,800 studies in 2019. Okay. In all 50 states. So in we've, all 50 we've, states. 
We've touched all 50 states, including Alaska, including Hawaii, North and South Dakota. Not a lot of activity in those states, but we have. We've done work. We've, uh, <laughs> right. we've done work in those states. Um, yeah. It's interesting. At one point, when I first started, so that was during the oil boom, during the shale boom, when they were, uh, it was oil shale, people were building new apartment complexes in North Dakota. And the rent prices were as high as New York City. It was in such high demand. Of course, that slowed with, you know, with, with the price of oil coming down. But we were sending people out to North Dakota. It was in, in, in the dead of winter. And it was, uh, it was, <laughs> th- those were good projects for us. But yes, we've done, we've done work in all 50 states, all property types as well, Jonas. So we've yeah. done every asset class. What's the most interesting property you would say that, that we've done? So I think today, um, from the more we're finding very common, there's a lot of, um, a lot of marijuana warehouses. It's a very popular asset class today. We're seeing a lot of that. As states move to legalize marijuana, many states already have. But every property is interesting in the sense that, and I'll explain to you why, because for every property owner, there's no property more important than their own. And we always try to look at everything through the view of the property owner. So you ask me what property has been the most interesting. I look at every property as if it's my own because that's, that's the way the owner looks at it. We want to get the best job done right. and we want to get the most benefit back to the property owner. We've done some interesting properties. We've done, we've done some, some malls. We've done, a, we've done a Dick's Sporting Goods. It was, it was maybe with their corporate headquarters even where there was you know, real stuffed animals hanging on the walls. That was a challenge. Taxid- taxidermy where... Uh, <laughs> That was challenging to price out, but you know we've we've seen some interesting properties. We've we've really seen it all over the uh, course of the last ten years or so. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I just want to speak to again the volume, the sheer volume of twenty eight hundred studies being pumped out in a year. And now we're going to be able to be a lot more efficient because a lot of the travel time, right, that the engineers were taking and the scheduling, and you know you only have so many boots on the ground. You can you can get people to places. Now we're going to be able to probably. Uh, you know, I don't want to necessarily 10x that, but definitely increase the volume by uh, a tremendous amount. 100%. That, that's the idea. We're, we're, seeing, we're, seeing activity, we're seeing activity ramp up in the U.S. And there's a big, you know, pent-up demand from the last three months where, where people had sat out and people sat on the sidelines. Uh, as retail reopens, as office space reopens, you know, we're, we're excited. We're excited about the third quarter and fourth quarter. And let's see, let's see where right. things head. And for us, I think it's really interesting because, you know, there's going to be a lot of repurposing of properties happening. You know, maybe office buildings turning into apartment complexes, maybe hotels turning into apartments, maybe it's turning into self-storage. You know, I know we have a client that just did a shopping mall and uh, turned it into took a shopping mall and turned it into a self-storage facility, right? There's a lot of repurposing and that's great for us because we look at, you know, the new acquisition, right? The new owners, doesn't matter if there's, there's always going to be activity, there's always going to be volume activity in the market. So, you know, some people are, are winning, some people are losing, but you know, in the end of the day, cost irrigation always wins. <laughs> what are you seeing, Yona? You know, in your, in your conversations with property owners across the country, what are you hearing? What are you seeing? What are you, what are you feeling? You know, a lot of people are really waiting on the sidelines. So there's really two camps. There's the people that are just pushing and plowing forward and trying to, in their own words, you know, I've heard one of my clients say, to set the bar, right? Just going out there, finding deals, pushing, trying to close deals, raising capital and getting things done. And then you have a whole other group of people that are just sitting on the sidelines, hoping and waiting. There's going to be a lot of discounts, waiting for, you know, those distressed properties to happen, whether they will happen, whether they will not happen. We don't really know. I'm sure there will be some, there always is. But so you have another camp of people that are just, 
you know, sitting on the sidelines waiting for, for that to happen. And then I guess there's a third camp of, of those, all those people, you know, whether it be private, you know, family offices or high net worth individuals that have been just stockpiling cash for the past, you know, five years, waiting for the market to crash and waiting for opportunities to come up. And they're the ones really jumping on a, a lot of the opportunities right now. But it seems like, and what I keep on seeing on, on CoStar and other, other information sources, is that, thank God, you know, rents have been pretty consistent. People are still paying on time. And people are holding in there. Even the, even the office landlords, they don't, they don't seem so concerned. Do you think that after everybody's been working at home for the last three months, people would adjust to new normal? I know for myself, and I know that I'm, I'm more productive in the office. I'm sure there are people that are more productive at home. I know you worked at home for a little while. Um, I know some members of our team worked at home for a little while. Where do you see office space going? I, I know you mentioned that stuff's can be, you know, space can be repurposed, but do you think these big box buildings, you know, take Sixth Avenue in Manhattan or, or LaSalle Street in Chicago or some of the space in San Fran, do you think people are going to come back in droves? Do you think people are going to be hesitant to come back? What's your thought about that, Yona? In my opinion, I think it's going to be like a lot of major population shifts, a lot of migration, people out of big cities. A lot of big corporations, what I've been reading and hearing from people is that they're very comfortable with this remote working. And, you know, I think this is going to be a huge shift that now you have. I mean, I literally I heard yesterday that before COVID hit, like the daily you know usage of Zoom was about like 3 million people a day or something like that. Now it's over 100 million users a day. So, you know, it's, it's happening to the point where companies, big corporations are becoming very comfortable with the remote work. So with that, you know, comes that population is going to start shifting markets outside of the big cities are going to start developing a lot more. People are going to be moving out of the big cities. They don't need to live there anymore. They don't need to pay three, four times the rent that they could if they were living, you know, somewhere kind of out of town. And, you know, we already see uh, a population moving out of New York to a pretty high volume. You're saying it's all about the suburbs. That's the, uh, the future is all about the suburbs. Yeah, suburbs and, and you know, these wow. tertiary markets are going to start booming. So whether or not these big box office buildings are going to find new tenants or they're just going to, you know, be repurposed, who knows? But I definitely see a lot of... It's really a fascinating story. It's just going to keep on playing out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting to see where things are going to end, but it's... Certainly fascinating to watch this. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Hey, before we get to the final four, I just want to tell you about streamlined podcasts. Okay, I could not have a podcast if I didn't work with streamlined podcasts. As simple as that, these guys are my go to, they do all the editing of these audio pieces that you guys are hearing. And I really couldn't do anything without it. I literally tried to start a podcast for about a year and it was just daunting to me to spend time writing show notes, to do the audio recording, editing, taking out the ums, the ahs, the spaces, everything. These guys make it sound so crisp, so clear at such an affordable rate. And for my listeners and my listeners only, you're gonna be thrilled. If you're ever thinking of starting a podcast or you have a podcast, check them out at streamlinepodcasts.com. Set up a time to speak with them and use promo code WISE, W-E-I-S-S, and you can get 20% off your first month if you do end up signing up with them. I guarantee you it's gonna be worth your while. So I wanna jump right now into the final four. Final four, we're already up to the final four. Wow. <laughs> what else do you want to talk about? I'm enjoying my time with you. Yona, which I, I always enjoy my time with you, Mosh. What else? To ask me something. Come on. 
You tell me, how did you get into real estate services, Yona? Oh, man. You got to listen to one of the other podcasts I've been on, Mosh Khan. Okay. I'm, I'm going to. They ask me that on, on, on every single podcast. Well, tell us your Got background. How did you get into real estate? Got it. So, we're just going to jump into the final four. You can take it slow. You can take it fast. You can take it long, short, whatever you want. First question for you. What's the worst job you ever had? So I had one job and I just worked for difficult people. It wasn't easy. I worked for a manager and the manager just was downright nasty. It's, it's simple. But you could always make lemonade out of lemons. And what I learned from that job is how to never treat people. And you could have disagreements with employees, you could have disagreements with employers, but it always has to be with decency. Mm -hmm. And even if you do end up raising your voice, you know, sometimes people raise their voices, you know, just in the heat of the moment and, and you're looking to get a transaction done and, you know, people may lose their cool, but there's always got to be an exit rant. There's always got to be a strategy to be able to be close with your teammates and be able to collaborate with your teammates. And I learned a lot. As difficult as it was and as challenging as it was, it wasn't a great experience. But I pulled that out of that, out of that experience that you just gotta, gotta be nice with everybody. You just gotta, you gotta be able to get along with everybody. And sometimes it doesn't work. You know, sometimes you have to let people go and there's no, but there's no need for nastiness in the workplace. Absolutely, 100%. And it's a great lesson to learn from that. What's a book you've read? And I know you're a big reader. You can't hide it from me. What's a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? I used to be a huge reader. I did. I used to be a huge reader. Um, when I was younger, I had more time. Thank God, business keeps me busy. Family keeps me busy. Lately, I've been doing a lot of bike riding to keep my sanity through Corona. My 13-year-old son and I, I call my 13-year-old son Skipper. His name's Michael, but we call him Skipper because he's, uh, he's in charge of our routes and he's in charge of our destinations. We've been doing 17 miles, 25 miles, 30 miles. But we're having a lot of fun on the, on the bike. So I haven't been doing a lot of reading lately. I've always enjoyed a good biography. Believe it or not, give me, give me a good biography. And I could, I could read it from cover to cover. I was actually in the Judaica store this morning. I don't know if you're familiar with, with Dafyomi. We learn one, one page of Talmud every single day. So uh, we're turning now to Shabbos, volume four. I'm pretty impressed with myself that I've been keeping up with the, with the folio, with the one page every single day. So if you ask me a book that I'm reading, I'll tell you that it's the Talmud. And really, that's something that's fascinating. Every day, a different story. Every day, a different topic. Yeah. And that's certainly a great book that I've been reading. Awesome. There's been a book going around the office about the Theranos and uh, Elizabeth Holmes and uh, her story. It was a startup, a Silicon Valley startup, probably about 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And it didn't end the way she imagined. But to read about her management style and, and the way she ran her company and the way she dealt with her employees... It's a great read. And okay. uh, here in the office, we all enjoyed it. I'd recommend you to read it, Yonah. Okay. We'll pass around. I squeezed in two books there. I'm sorry. No, that, that's awesome. I, I, the first one I love, and, and the second one, we'll, we'll check it out. So the third question is, what's a skill or talent you would like to learn? I would love to learn how to surf. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Either surf or become a professional bowler. One of those two. Uh, you ever go to the bowling alley and, and you watch these people and every single one is a strike. By the time they're done bowling, there are like 470 points. I go bowling with my kids. Now, of course, the bowling alley has been closed for the last three months. I, I walk away with like, I don't know, 30? Like, and that's with the bumpers. So it, it, it'll be a nice outlet. It really would. Okay. 
It sounds good. Maybe, maybe for your birthday, we'll get you a bowling coaching lessons. <laughs> and our fourth and final question, Moshe, is what does success mean to you? Success, success is seeing a happy family and a happy staff. And that's really what success is. Success is to be able to work with a team and finish off every day, finish off every week, finish off every month, and to be able to, have, to, be able to, to, be able to see that people are satisfied, people are happy. Yeah. And it's in the workplace and it's at home as well. Look, everybody's faced with challenges, and especially now during this corona environment. You know, every family living in close confines and, and people at work, whether volume is, is as high as usual, whether, whether volume is a little bit lower, you're going to have up weeks, up days, down weeks, down days. But the reality is to meet those challenges, and again, with a smile on your face, which Yona, you're, you're so good at, and just to make sure that, that everybody's happy. Look, if everybody's happy and the people you surround yourself with are happy, then by proxy, you're going to be happy as well. And that's, that's really where I see success. Awesome. Couldn't agree with you more. Moshe, where can people find you if, if anyone wants to reach out to you? 732-725-7544. You can also send Yona a message on his LinkedIn page. <laughs> One day, I'm going to figure out how to work LinkedIn like Yona. You know, I've... I've, I've you posted, I've, I've, you posted once. I did. I posted once. We had a picture together at the NMHC in Orlando, and that was a great time. And look, looking forward to spending some, some more great times with you, be it, be it on this side of the Atlantic, the other side of the Atlantic. But it's always nice spending time with you, Yona. And again, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, thank you for having me on board today. My pleasure. It's always a pleasure speaking to you, Moj. Every day, it's uh, one of the highlights of my day. So thank you again for joining us. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in once again. I hope you got a lot of value out of this and learned a little bit more behind the scenes. And remember, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I wanna ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating review, I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.